0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode three of ABC on Pittsburgh Sports. It's Valentine's Day week.
1: Guys, how was Valentine's Day? When was it? Was it Monday? It was Monday. I missed it. I did. I missed it. Yeah. Uh, mine
2: was boring. It was a truck day. Yep. I worked twelve hours and unloaded, fun. Unloaded beer trucks all day. Isn't it so, fun to be grown ass yeah. men and have responsibility? Kind of and... Valentine's Day for my wife. She never saw me.
0: But you uh, guys celebrated this past weekend. I saw something on Facebook, right? Uh we're going this weekend. This we're weekend, going this okay. Weekend. So okay,
2: we're, we'll we'll be spending some time together.
0: Nice. Yeah, we did a little d- Monday. Same thing. First day at a new job, and then so that was that, that was shot. So we went and had eighty acres. Shout out to eighty acres. You ever been to eighty acres in Plum?
2: I haven't. Phenomenal. Person that told me phenomenal. Oh, about that. Yeah. Really good. good Highly
0: recommend. Highly recommend, 80 Acres. Anyway, uh, we digress. Back to sports. Uh, Michael Antonisio, Tom Bradley, Mark Clemeny here. Episode three, as we said, Valentine's Day weekend, a lot going on. Of course, the most important being the game that just p- took place last Sunday, the Super Bowl. Uh, great game. Discontinued the trend. I mean, the playoff games this year were absolutely phenomenal. Every single one of them, and it culminated with the Super Bowl. Uh, just give me your initial thoughts, what you thought. When did the game change? I mean, I thought Cincinnati had it there for a while, and kudos to Raheem Morris for that adjustment in the second half with the Rams defense.
1: Well, we made our predictions uh, on yeah. last episode. And Tommy, Tommy's ready to roll. Tom, Tommy's ready to roll. He wants to go to Capitol Grill for <laughs> his uh, win. He did call it, and uh, the first half of the game, I would say, I was Cincinnati did a good job of protecting Burrow enough that mm-hmm. he was able to get the ball out of his hands. The second half was a a completely different game. Uh, I give credit to Raheem Morris. Mm -hmm. The adjustments he made at halftime, stacking the line on one side and making their offensive line pick a guy, and they had to go man. And they couldn't block those guys up front. The second half of that game, Tom called it. He He I I give him credit where credit is due. Yeah, he did. The Rams had six sacks and 12 pressures in the second half. You're not going to win any games doing that. And Cincinnati's not a team that can methodically go down the field. They're they're a quick strike offense with their wide receivers. Um, I thought Cincinnati should have run the ball a little bit more. But, you know, give credit where credit's due. The Rams defense came up. They won that, yeah. And Aaron Donald. I mean, what can you say about that guy? I mean, unbelievable. Yeah, I mean,
2: I – I think the play, I think the game turned uh, in two spots. One, I, when uh, when Odell Beckham went down, I really thought it was Cincinnati's game. I mean, you know, yeah. uh, I really thought that if I was Cincinnati, I would have put everybody that wears number twenty on Cooper Cup, mm-hmm. and anybody else that wants to catch a pass, so be it. I mean, they were already down their tight end to start the game. then OBJ goes down. And uh, I really thought the offensive for the Rams struggled from that point on. And I thought that was going to be a big turning point for the Bengals, and I didn't think they capitalized. But the game, in my opinion, was lost for Cincinnati in the second half. They, mm-hmm. they get the first play, you know, the face masking, the crazy mm-hmm. thing. Ramsey falls down, they score the touchdown. Next play, interception. Right. They don't go down all the momentum and score all, yeah. a touchdown. they got a field goal. Yeah. And, you know, if they go down and score a touchdown then, I think the game's in serious jeopardy because the Rams are chasing. They can't run the ball. They didn't really run the ball very well anyway, but even you couldn't even hint at the running ball. With with OBJ down, the tight ends were hurt. Uh, it was going to be tough for them to come back. And not scoring a touchdown there is where I think Cincinnati lost a football yeah. game. So. And yes, I was 100% right. You two were absolutely, absolutely wrong. And I will take that. You'll hear about that You're, until
1: the well, next bet. So. Right.
0: And you'll have to report back on how the dinner was.
1: We're going to Ponderosa by the way. Uh, <laughs> Tom's getting the cheap steak.
0: Golden buffet in Miracle
2: Mile. They have
1: wings. That's all I need. I'll be good. <laughs> You've actually been to Ponderosa?
2: Yeah. We've all yeah. been to Ponderosa. Ponder hell, we've yeah. probably been to Ponderosa together. We're not 20, right.
0: you know. <laughs> Is there even a Ponderosa still around, actually? I mean, there, we used to go to the one in Miracle Mile all the time growing up. There
2: is one. There, I think the last one in Pittsburgh was down in Harmerville. Oh. Remember down by Oh 728? Like yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was down yeah. there for a while. That's gone. How but the there is a survive? couple around. Okay. I, I know I've seen them in my travels. But we'll no, have to find one. Many. But no, we're going to Capitol Grill. Ground round. Remember. In fact, not only are we going to Capitol Grill, we might go to Capitol Grill for drinks. <laughs> then we'll go to <laughs> Hyde Park for <laughs> dinner. And then we'll Yeah, where are we going for dessert? I, I don't know. Maybe we'll go to Mount Washington for dessert. You guys okay. can buy me a, a piece of cheesecake while we look over the city. So, whatever it is, it's going to be expensive. But hey, <laughs> listen, there's two of you. Yeah. I took this bet on knowing that you two, I'll to have to flip the bill by yeah. myself on that one. So, you, know. you
0: deserve it. Yeah. Hey, you made the right call all around. Oh. You deserve it. I, I have no qualms with that. Uh, and I, I just echo what you two said. I mean, for Aaron Donald, Michael, you were saying this before we went on air. He was like Michael Jordan. He called game.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, he was playing. It, defense, yeah. You never see a defensive player just take over a game at the end of the game like that. I mean, it's always a quarterback or a wide receiver that says, hey, "You know what? Right. Give me the ball." He's on the other side of the ball, and and he said, "I'm ending this game right now." He called his he called his shot and walked off the field. Yeah, I, that was one of the most dominant. Performances the whole in the second, second half, half. Yeah. it was it, it, it was crazy how good he played, yeah. and he should have been the MVP. Tom absolutely. called that he should have been. I, listen, Cooper Cup had a nice game. He did. He caught two touchdowns. It was that last drive. It was the last, it was the drive. last drive. It was absolutely the last drive, and Cup only caught eight balls for what ninety-two yards, and yeah. I that seems like a great game, Couple for him, yeah. yeah, he caught a one-yard touchdown right. on mm-hmm. you know you, you know a little eye pattern, right? But the way Donald played, that was I, I I've never. I got a question for you guys. Yeah. And we've been watching football our whole lives, right? Mm-hmm. Aaron Donald, is he the best defensive player of all time? Because here's here's my thought. I was mm-hmm. watch, at the end of that game, I'm sitting there thinking, and I said to myself, well, I've watched and I've never seen Joe Green play, mm-hmm. okay? That was before well, my yeah, time. Yeah, we were a little young. I mean, I do mean, remember a little dying, bit, but not much. I don't much. remember really anything. But the two defensive tackles that stand out for me are John Randall mm-hmm. and Warren Sapp, who I thought both of those guys are. Well they're all they right, are Hall of Famers. famers yeah. He's ten times better than them. Then I started to think, is he the best defensive player of all time? I LT, mean, I, what, widely, LT, widely considered up to this point. He came off the yeah, edge, but yeah. this guy is so dominant. He's eight time pro bowler, mm-hmm. you know, seven time
0: three time seven yeah, yeah.
1: three time defensive player of the year. I don't know if I've ever seen a more dominant defensive player. Yeah, I think the
2: Donald stuff, you know, comes up now because, you know, it's fresh in our minds and things like that. I think he's in the conversation for for the most dominant defensive player of all time. But for me, and I will always say this, I've been a defensive back fan my whole life. There's only one guy that changed the way that NFL defenses play, and that's Mel Blunt. Yeah. And, you know... As far as defense and the way that the game's played and the dominance, I mean, Mel Blunt, and I say this as a Deion Sanders, as you know, is my favorite player of all time. The way that Mel Blunt played the game was so dominant that they literally had Just to change, change the, the way yep. you play the game. And I know everybody always wants to talk sacks and defensive linemen and things like that, but Mel Blunt, to me, is at the head of that line because of the, the way he played and the, and the rules that changed afterwards. But, yeah, I don't think you can go wrong with you know, you got Joe Green, you got Bruce Smith, you have Reggie White, you know Aaron Donald. Donald. I think they're all in the conversation for being for being the best defensive players. The thing about Donald right now is, I think it's only been eight years. Recently you know, biased. He's yeah. got to go. He's got to go a little bit longer, and uh, and also, I mean, Joe Green. There's always going to be a, a soft spot for Joe Green because not only did Joe Green dominate the way he played. But he changed a whole franchise Franchise. the whole culture changed with joe yeah i mean literally (laughs) if the steelers don't have joe green i don't know if they ever become the steelers and you know he changed the franchise's whole dynamic whole history and for that that's tough to beat but as far as on the field absolutely aaron donald's in that conversation
0: i agree wholeheartedly i don't know if he's the best but he's definitely going to be you know 10 years from now when we're talking Aaron Donald's we mentioned the same way we mentioned Joe Green in the same way we mentioned Mel. Blunt. I agree with you, Mel Blount was. I mean, you talk about a man among boys, even in the NFL, In six four corner,
1: six yeah, four corner. I mean, and I met two hundred twenty pounds. He yeah, was all of that size. Even oh, an yeah. older man. I was like, I was scared of him. Yeah, and he was in his sixties. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, yeah. He yeah. did change the game, but watching Aaron Donald, I, I just I I haven't seen a player, defensive player, in this generation that I said. This guy could be the greatest of all right. time, yeah. That's just that's right. what I was thinking. Out oh, he's again. definitely
0: in the conversation, there's no doubt, and he always will be. And he cemented his legacy with the ring. Um, and you know, the whole retirement talk Rodney Harrison drops that bombshell right before the Super Bowl. Uh, is it a ploy to get more money? I mean, what do you guys think?
2: Well, I, I think th- as far as Donald goes, I mean. You know, that might have been an agent whispering in his ear. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I you know I was looking at the numbers today. Aaron Donald has no guaranteed money in his contract now. full. Mm-hmm. And when Aaron Donald signed his contract, he was the highest paid player. Now I think he's not even in the top 10. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Aaron's, I, I mean- He's doing the contract. <laughs> you know, a guy, you know, you're playing defensive lineman. You know, you're getting hit by three or four, three or 400 mm-hmm. pound guys on the other side of the line day in and day out. He's got his ring. He's one defensive player of the year. Multiple times. I mean, he has checked off most of the boxes, but I think that uh, with a with a couple hundred uh, million and uh, you know in the old uh, bank account or something like that, that there's always room for a, another hundred million more. And I think that uh, if the Rams will step up and, and get him and McVay under contract with some extension money and uh, uh,
1: the the benefits of being a Super Bowl champion, I, I think both of those guys will be back. What well, I, I the Rams are strapped for cash yeah. i mean they pushed all their chips in before this season and said we're going for it i think they're eight million over the cap and they have very few free agents mm-hmm. so if he's wanting more money i'm not they're sure gonna to, if they're, yeah. they're, they're gonna have to be real creative with it
0: one of the things i love about the nfl and what always keeps it interesting year after year so speaking of free agency that's a perfect segue michael season's over we're about a month out from the new league year. And for the first time, the Steelers are going to have a ton of salary cap room. We talked about that in episode one. Uh, read something today whereby with some restructuring of some existing contracts, maybe releasing a few players, they could have as much as $85, 88000000 million under the cap. That's unheard of here in Pittsburgh. Obviously, the Steelers have never had that kind of cash. So it's going to be... The wild wild west i think um and for a lot of teams there are a lot of teams under the cap and there's a lot of teams that need a lot of different players um so i think uh come i think it's march 16th the new year, new year opens new calendar yeah exactly so uh, buckle up because i think it's gonna be a lot of fun my,
1: my my question to you guys is the steelers typically don't hit free agency hard they never make a splash move in free agency so having all this cap space Kind of changes the dynamic of how they're mm-hmm. going to work their offseason this isn't something that they typically are used to having i'm just wondering where they're going to allocate their their money to. do you guys have any thoughts on that
2: well and i you know just to get everybody kind of caught up out there if you know if you weren't you know last year with COVID and stuff was a weird year the steelers in general are, are a team that spends the cap every year they budget things out three and four years ahead mm-hmm. of time and that's just the way they do things. They, they draft. They re-sign their own players. That's why they don't make free agencies because they, they have their guys. They re-sign their guys. They keep their guys. Well, last year, because of, of COVID and, the, and the, for the first time in, I think, in the history of the salary cap for the NFL, it went down. Mm-hmm. And obviously, when you sign, you know, in 2019, when Aaron out for the what was the cap going to be in 21, they weren't prepared for things like that. So they went into the year, and, you know, I don't know how they did it. They were 20 – I think they were 20 million over to start because mm-hmm. of it going down. They got everybody down. They still – they didn't really cut or lose anybody. I don't think they really wanted to keep. Um, they still got – nine. they still came out of it 9-7-1, squawk, snuck, snuck into the playoffs. I think the big thing for them in the offseason is they've got some guys that are currently either on their roster uh, or, or or do that they have to make decisions with. Mm-hmm. And the two that they need to figure out whether they're going to re-sign that are under contract are Minka and Deontay Johnson. And when you, if you sign those guys to extension, then you can play with their cap numbers, mm-hmm. so you can right. you can gain some room there. And third, and secondly, is the guys that are under contract that they may or may not want to keep. Stefan Tui, we talked about right. it last week. You know, we have Joe no, Schober. We have no idea what they're right. going to do with with Tui. Schobert's another one that they could uh, they could cut to make some room. Um, so they've got you know they they have I think as they sit right now today thirty two million and with some simple restructures, um, extensions or or cut, they can get all the way up to almost ninety million dollars. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this is to to Michael's point, this is something new for them, and I don't think anybody has any clue what they're gonna right. do. you know, they're gonna spend the money because that's what NFL teams do. most teams are gonna are gonna are gonna get near that number. and I think a lot of it just comes down to, uh, uh, what they what, it's all about the quarterback. What are they going to do with quarterback? Are they going to mm-hmm. just draft somebody? Are they going to try to sign a free agent? And I think we'll go from there as far as you know what they do and what they spend and things like that.
0: So I want to get both of your take on um, – you know these are just fun things to talk about, right? ESPN this week, Jeremy Fowler, who I, I immense respect for. Um, there's a reason why he's the NFL insider at ESPN. He's very good at what he does. They went through and they – ranked the top 30 free agents in this year's in this year's class and who they feel would be the best fit uh, for them. And Fowler had Gilmore, Stephon Gilmore, and Jameis Winston uh, coming to Pittsburgh. I got to be honest, I like both. Um, I, I think they both saw the need, obviously. And we're not going to talk about quarterbacks here ad nauseum. I'm not going to go into, into Winston. Uh, there'll be time for that down the line. Um, But Gilmore would would fit perfectly. One of the guys, Tom, you're talking about that they need to make a decision on is Witherspoon, played great the last five games. Uh, Probably was their best corner the last five games. Uh, He's a free agent. Joe Hayden's a free agent. Um, I don't think they can let both of those guys walk. Um, Another thing to keep in mind here that I think is very, very important, Kevin Colbert's retiring after the draft. He's not going to leave this franchise in – an unsteady state, let's call it. And he's going to oversee the early part of free agency, and he's obviously going to oversee the draft. I think we're going to see stuff we've never seen before, quite honestly, because this team has a lot of work to do. And Colbert to make sure it gets done.
2: Well, I mean, to, to, to answer your first question about uh, the two free agent signings, um, Gilmore is a name um, mm-hmm. But they have a thirty-something-year-old quarterback and Joe Hayden that they already know. Mm-hmm. He's already been in the system. Um, I think they could probably, if they wanted to go a thirty-something-year-old defensive back, I think they just re-signed mm-hmm. Hayden. I think he'd be significantly cheaper than Gilmore. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, are, is one better than the other? Yes, Gilmore's probably more physically At this point, talented, yeah. but Gilmore's been banged up. He's missed mm-hmm. a lot of time. Hayden missed a couple games this year, but um, I think knowing the Steelers that they would probably stay with what they know. Um, as far as Winston goes, I think that's the mold if there is a I, – I am of the belief that there will not be a, a quarterback drafted for the mm-hmm. Steelers this year unless one falls to them. They're, they don't have the draft capital to move up. I've already heard that. That's not going to happen. Um, so I, I think that a, a Jamison Winston, uh, a Mitch Trubisky, I think somebody like that's going to be the third quarterback in the room, somebody that they don't have a lot of money tied into. If he don't make the team, you know, if he's not the starter, they can mm-hmm. cut him and move on from him. Um, but I, I think a Steeler way to spend this money is going to be in the, in the lines. So, mm-hmm. yeah. um, I think that if, if the Steelers are ever going to spend big money, they're going to spend it where it matters, and that's going to be offensive and defensive line. I think the defensive line will determine if Tua comes back. If Tua comes back, then I think they're going to – I think they could sign up to two free agent offensive linemen. It's guys that have been in there, they know um, that are projectable – um if, if, if Tewitt decides to not come back or if they move on from Tewitt, I think you could see them sign uh, a, 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 no, a, a defensive lineman and an offensive lineman. But I,
1: I would bet if they were going to spend money, that's where they're going to spend their money. Yeah, I, I agree with Tom. Uh, you know, if you're going you're to sign a corner, I don't think Gilmore's the guy. Uh, like he said, he, he's, he's a name guy. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think he's already past that point of his he's past his, his prime. His, king, mm-hmm. his peak. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you get a Joe Hayden, you probably could get him cheaper. As far as Winston, In and on that, a two-year deal too. And that's something I, I I've been looking at all these these draft boards and all you mm-hmm. know all these mock drafts, and I, I either see an offensive lineman or a quarterback. I none of those three quarterbacks are going to be there at twenty. No. I can tell you that right now. I've been watching the draft my entire life. <laughs> some idiotic team is going to move up in that draft to draft one of these three quarterbacks and we talked about this a couple episodes ago tom said this quarterback class last year or the year before they might be second round picks i'm not reaching for one of these guys i I, even if willis falls to 20 or matt corral falls to 20 i don't know if that's the answer this year like he said i feel like offense and defensive linemen for me they're like they're, they're like starting pitchers in baseball. When you think you have enough, get more. Get more yeah. So you go after the defense and offensive line and free agency, and then you go after that in the draft. Then next year, let's see what the quarterback class is and then reassess at that point. But I think they could find a quarterback that could make them competitive this year. And also to your point, as far
2: as, as drafting goes, one thing that the Steelers cannot do, and at least in this era, is draft cornerbacks. Yeah. So for whatever
0: reason, they always swing and miss.
2: I have no idea what it is about them, why they have such a blind spot, but I, I definitely think you know getting back to Hayden, I think either Hayden or Witherspoon or both, um, or if they don't land one of those guys, a, a free agent cornerback, probably one you didn't hear, you've never mm-hmm. heard of. Mm-hmm. They like to sign those guys that are coming off their first, their, their first mm-hmm. contract, mm-hmm. four year guys younger four year guys and maybe in their 25, 26 year old guys that maybe you didn't heard of, maybe you never heard of before, but they like and they can project a little bit. Those are the type of guys that the Steelers like to sign or have signed. I don't think it's gonna be some splashy name. I think it'll be a guy where you go, hmm, who's that? Yeah. And then you do a little research. You go, oh, okay. okay, all right, yeah, maybe right. this you know, maybe this is a guy. So that's
0: where Witherspoon was when they traded for him from Seattle. We're like, What who what? what? Yeah. Who was this guy? And then Oh and yeah. he Couldn't
2: get on the field, and then all right. of a sudden, the last five or six games, he probably made about thirty million dollars. By the way he played, I mean. Well, it,
0: and I would even argue, if you go back to what I think is this, the greatest free agent signing in the Steeler history, James Ferrier, He played for the Jets, right? And when they signed him, there wasn't much fanfare around it, right? They solved a need that they had.
2: I was like, oh, that's a, just like, that's a nice signing. Yeah, Ferrier was one of those guys. Hardings, Jeff Hardings. Jeff Hardings, yeah. They signed yep. him because mm-hmm. they had a need. Yeah, the Steelers, their free agent signings are usually calculated. Now, this year they've got, you know, they could go all over the map. I mean, they need wide receivers, but they do a pretty good job of drafting those. Um, they need offensive and defensive line help. I don't think they're going to draft a quarterback. I know they're not going to draft a running back. I doubt they'll draft a tight end. mm mm-hmm. um, so, I mean, you know, they've got help. I think all three positions on the defensive side of the ball could be options defensive line, linebacker, and defensive back, um, and specifically safety, which they've had, they have had some success with safeties. Um, I think will be, you know, spots where they could look at in the draft, but. I wouldn't be surprised to see him sign a a, 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 a wide receiver out of free agency mm-hmm. too. Um, somebody, you know, because those are a lot of good wide receivers. A lot in of good class. wide receivers yeah. that are not all going to get big big paydays, big, right. as yeah. right. Juju Juleen. last
1: year found out. You know, he came back, um, so we'll see. And you're not talking about the Devontae Adams type of signing. No. You're talking about just like they did with the cornerback position. You, you see the wide receiver you're like that guy might fit here, but right. it, mm-hmm. it might not be a splash guy. But when he comes in, he might fit what they do.
0: Right, he'll produce. Normally, I mean, for the most part, their free agent signings have been on point and productive. Sure, they miss. Everybody misses, right? Nobody hits on everything that they do. Um, but, yeah, they're not making a big splash in the pool, but the ripples are, are, are definitely felt through over, over the course of the season.
2: And a big reason that the, the wide receiver specifically may not be a big splash in free agency is because you Know we don't know who the quarterback's going to be, mm-hmm. and unless they do something between now and the start of free agency, you know, it are. If you're a free agent wide receiver, are you going to okay. line up to catch passes from Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins? No, so you know, that sort of is, is going to be a deterrent to trying to sign somebody. It could be a reason why I know we've talked about Juju, I think mm-hmm. we disagree on you think Juju, yeah, will be I back? think Juju's I gonna be back.
0: We didn't get to him yet, but I do think they're going to sign him. There's something there. Um,
2: I think there was something there with Ben. I think that I think there was a respect factor with mm-hmm. Ben, but I think you know I mean Juju's an Instagram guy. I think he posted on on, on Instagram and packing up his apartment, mm-hmm. saying you know it's been it's been real pencil, or it's been right. real Pittsburgh. We'll see you later. Um, so no, I think he's I think he's going to go out there and you know in that ESPN thing you referenced, they had Philadelphia on yeah. mm-hmm. um So no, I I think it's going to be like that for all skill positions for wide receivers for the Steelers because. You're not Mason Rudolph isn't going to get you here, right. you know. A year with Ben might have been able to be enough to get you here, um, but until they have the quarterback situation figured out, I think it's going to be tough for them to find skill position guys.
1: Now I, I have to agree with Tom. I, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't think Juju's coming back. I think he wants a fresh start. I think he wants to go somewhere. We may have and, to
0: put another bet on that. I don't know. You double, two double down, down on the double down on the uh, dinner.
1: I, listen, I, I, no, I, I just don't think I don't think Juju's coming back. I, I think they're going to fill that possession receiver with somebody mm-hmm. else, and uh, he. I think he wants a fresh start. He wanted it last year, and he couldn't find a contract, so he came right. back here on a one-year deal to approve it. Thing mm-hmm. he got injured, you know. So whoever gets him, Philadelphia would be a perfect fit for him. Mm-hmm. You know that possession receiver to go along with Devontae Smith. Right. Yeah, uh, they. Uh, I don't think he's coming back, but, you know, that's just me. You do. I,
0: we'll I see what happens. We'll see what happens. I think, it, as I said, it's going to be a lot of fun when the new league year opens. Um, all kinds of movement happening.
1: But
2: I, I, my my main point for this for the off season is is that if anybody out there tells you that they know what's going to happen, they're lying. They're, yeah. You know, nobody knows. There has not been an offseason where – the Steelers have this much money to spend coming off a year like they did and transitioning out from an all of Fame quarterback to the unknown. There's no blueprint for what's going to happen. So I've seen a lot of the Steelers writers write that this is going to be one of the most interesting off-seasons of, of, their, of their careers. And I agree that uh, this could go in a million different ways. And it's going to be uh, interesting to sit back and watch.
0: Let's touch real quick uh, before we move on to the Penguins on the coaches that the Steelers have hired here over the past few weeks. We talked about... The wide receiver coach last week, Frisman Jackson, this week they had the offensive line coach from Carolina. Was he fired from Carolina? Yes. Yeah. Yes. okay you never like to hear that but um, the one thing I will say and I'll be curious to get both of your opinions mm-hmm. on this. You're only as good as the players you have. I mean everybody wanted Munch to come back. I think Munch With the offensive line the Steelers had last year and the lack of talent that they had on that offensive line he would have made zero difference it all starts with the guys especially at this level I mean you could certainly coach them up a little bit but I think these Steeler fans they go crazy and I think you're putting way too much stock into the coaches I really do
2: well this the the, the, whoever the new offensive line coach if it was name wasn't Mike Munchak was going to be behind the eight ball to start with because everybody got their hopes up you know, I've listened to a couple of national guys speak that you know that nobody's gotten any kind of uh, definite that either Munchak even wants to still coach. Mm-hmm. He went to Denver for family. All of his immediate family is either in Denver or on the West Coast. You know, there have been other teams that have hired offensive line coaches in the last yeah. couple of weeks that wasn't Munchak. Um, so I, I don't think that Munchak wants to coach anymore. So I don't think that that was even a, even in the in the in the cards. But the reality of it is, when it comes to offensive line coaches, are they important? Absolutely. An, an offensive line coach can definitely upgrade your team, but the reality of it is, you know, outside of Mike Munchak and Bill Callahan's guys that have been Cable, you know, Tom Cable, yeah, guys yeah. That have been doing this for a long time that have built up that reputation. I couldn't tell you. I mean, we play the Ravens twice a year. I don't know who their offensive line coach. is. Right. The Browns, you know, the uh, the two teams were just in the Super Bowl. Anybody know their yeah. offensive line coach? Of right. course not. I you know the the last few off our offensive linemen that come through. Tomlin hasn't doesn't hasn't had a great track record hiring assistant coaches right. to begin with, and off of offensive line coaches specifically, um, other than Munchak. So I, I don't have any hopes or or you know I don't have any thoughts on on what this guy is because I don't know enough right. about him. Right. Um. You know I've heard a couple national people reference saying he's got a good track record with you know he's been well received. He's been in the league for twenty years, so that's at least something better than the. Than Adrian Clum last year, who mm-hmm. was a, you know, a rookie coach for the first time. Um, you know, the same thing with the uh, wide receivers coach, you know. I mean, I, last year the wide receivers, in my opinion, regressed. Mm-hmm. So there needed to be a change there. But, again, it comes back to, you know, we talked about free agents looking at wide receiver or looking at, or free agent skill positions looking at Mason Rudolph and not being excited. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that can go for coaches, too. You know, Matt Cannon is your offensive coordinator. He has a reputation right now for not getting along with people and people mm-hmm. being turned off by him. And you got to look at the situation and go, uh, all right, how long is this guy going to be the offensive coordinator? And if he goes, do I go? And, you know, I just don't know how appealing of a position that some of these assistant coaches are when you have so much uncertainty on the uh, offense. And the the Rudolph thing can trickle down to those coaches too. Who's going to get blamed? Well, Mm -hmm. it's going to be the coaches? Coaches, right.
1: For me, the the position coaches, obviously, it's a – you're only as good as your players. You know, Frisman Jackson – you know, if he comes in, you're going to blame him for the wide receivers right. not playing well. Like Tom said, it doesn't matter who the offensive line coach is. That line last year was so bad. I mean, just so bad. And the way they ran their offense was to try to get the ball out quick so mm-hmm. Ben wouldn't get killed. And what did the the running back Harris? Not, what did yep. he? He averaged what, 3.4, 3.5 yards a carry. He yeah. wasn't even at four yards a carry. You're only as good as your players. So. At the end of the day, the, the position coaches, they are important, but how important are they?
0: Yeah. All right, well, that's going to wrap up our football talk for this week. Very good stuff. Uh, let's let's transition over to the other big event from this week. It took place, Penguins, Flyers, the hated Flyers, and it was so appropriate that Sid gets 500 against the Flyers, Tommy.
1: Yeah, and that's
2: what uh, – Mario was always so good at, you know, when it was time to score a goal, where there was a moment, you know, mm-hmm. he he always sort of always sort of captured right. that yeah. moment, and uh, yeah, it really was just written in the cards. I mean, it was, there was, it was. He was sitting on four ninety nine for career goals. Mm-hmm. He was sitting on forty nine goals career against the Flyers. It was Jaromir Yager's fiftieth birthday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, right. you know, it just all it just all lined up, too. I don't know how you could have bet that, right. but that was the <laughs> game to make a bet. That, uh, and what was great was he comes down in the first minute of the game on a 2-on-1, and he mm-hmm. drops a pass back to Brian Domlin. You could just hear the audience. You could hear the crowd go, Ugh, yeah. what are you doing, Sid? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was almost like Sid was like, nah, no, yeah, everybody's yeah, right. not in their seats yet. You know, right. let's let uh, – here, you, you try this for let's now. Let's let the I'll, drama I'll, build yeah, a little we'll bit. Yeah, I'll come back in a few minutes, and don't worry, right. I'm going to get one. And uh, – it was just great to see, you know. And, and Crosby is, I'm lucky enough that I was able to watch, you know, Mario and follow right. Mario's career and mm-hmm. Sydney's career, and uh, it's just two generational talents, you know. It, it is just unbelievable how lucky we have been as a as a mm-hmm. as a town, and it's just amazing that you know how eerily similar their careers are, both of them. Uh, we you know we locked our way into EJ with the tank <laughs> job to get Mario. <laughs> The ping-pong ball bounced our right way to get Crosby without either of them. Um, You know, there's probably no hockey in this town. Kansas City Penguins. There's no console energy center. Mm -hmm. But it's like we signed the deal in blood with the devil because we got these two players, but both of them have dealt with injuries. Both of them, their careers were derailed. Mario's with the back. And And cancer. And then cancer. Sid with the concussion. Um, You know, I was reading a stat today that Sid's missed 200, I think it's 223 games now. Yeah. In his career due to injuries and we know how many games mario missed and we're so lucky and blessed to have seen what we've seen with those guys and uh but you know we've just missed so much time too it's like we made the deal you know this is a little bittersweet you get you get the two best players of your generation but this is what you got to give up to take it but you know when i I hear the 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 conversation with mario and Sid, mario sent a a nice message Mm -hmm. to sid last night during the game about you know congratulations and you know, I hear the comparisons. Is Crosby better than Lemieux? No. Lemieux no. is the best player. There, There is just no, and I know Gretzky has the numbers, but if you just watch, put on the video yeah. and watch Mario. There was never a player as big as him that could skate like him, that had the hands like him. You know, when you watch uh, Sid... Who
0: never worked out, but yet... He no, was he's the doing, best player in the league When he first yeah. started playing, he used to smoking cigarettes. He was cigarettes. a chimney. Yeah, his offseason
2: season yeah. was, you know, smoking cigarettes. <laughs> show up the first day of camp. He'd be in shape by the time the games played, and away we go. Um, and, and But, you know, when you watch Mario's career highlights, you could watch that for literally four hours and not get to all of them. And you right. watch Sidney's goals last night when they're recapping his, and it's the deflections beside the net. Mm-hmm. It's the backhander. It's the batting pucks out of the air. You know, everything you see with Sidney – a lot of the times, it's just him in front of the net doing something. Right. You know, and he's got some great goals on the rush, too, but everything he did it was just – he just wanted it so bad. Um, and, you know, he's obviously he, – he just knows where to be, knows how to do things, and uh, Mario was just uh, – he, he was just, 500
0: uh, goals in 613 games.
2: He was just magic. I mean, I mean just – you know, I, I, the only thing I was disappointed about Mario's career was, A, you know, the injuries, injuries. took yep. took from us, but also that there just wasn't TV. There's was a lot of right. games where you right. just sat and listened to it on People the radio. People forget that. There were yeah. only like 40 games yeah. televised a year. You yeah. sat yep. and listened to the great Mike Lang describe mm-hmm. what, you would, what, you, what just happened. You go, no, there's no way. There right. was no sports center to turn right. on and watch the highlights or, or even the 11 o'clock news half the time right. you couldn't because there, no, there was hardly any yeah, cameras kept, around at right. that time. And, uh, But uh, it was just a great – and it was great, you know, doing it at home, doing it against the Flyers, the team coming out, Mm and all celebrating them with on the ice. It was a great moment. Yeah, great moment. I was laughing, you know. I was thinking, you know, 20 years ago, if that would have happened and the whole team would have come on the ice, the Flyers would have been waiting (laughs) at the bench when they started skating back. We would have had 20 guys on the ice beating the hell out out of each other because that was a no-no. But uh, it was just a great atmosphere. I'm glad they came back and got the win because that would have – That would have set Sidney. Sidney would have been up at night trying to think about how he lost to the Flyers on a game they scored 500.
0: And the one thing I just want to say about Sid, too, he is the quietest of all the superstars, any league. You never know anything about Sid. You want to talk about a guy who does everything right, who doesn't seek out the limelight. He has no social media at all, no social media presence at all. He could care less about the Sidney Crosby brand I mean, if he wanted to, he could be making exponentially more a year off of endorsements than what he's doing now. Season's over. He goes home to Nova Scotia. He fishes. He works out. He's on the ice. He does what you never hear from. him. I mean, to me, I respect that probably more than what he's doing on the ice. That this day and age, here's a kid, and he's still a kid to us, right? I mean, um, who shuns all that. Right, I mean, he's the antithesis to some of these other guys. You mentioned Juju on Instagram. I hate to pick on Juju, but he's the antithesis of those guys. He doesn't want to be out there. Frank, we, we never knew he had a girlfriend until the beginning of this
1: year, right? I mean, it's crazy. My question to you guys, and I'm not a hockey guy. You guys know that. And so as far as Sydney's career, and I know he's revered in this city, mm-hmm. and I know what a big star he is now in the NHL. Where do you put him in the pantheon of the greats? Because you look at the numbers. You said, well, Sid missed how many games did Sid miss? Oh, two, I think it's two hundred and twenty-three. Does anybody know how many games Mario missed? A lot. Uh, right was around. It more the, than that? Or? Probably. So, oh okay, yeah, so with his
0: back and his cancer. I, yeah.
1: I, I looked up Mario, he scored six hundred and nine goals. Yeah. I mean this guy's never gonna get the game. Mario's the best ever. Okay. I don't care what he, Mario is so the so best hockey player ever I know, to play the game. I don't watch hockey, but I know the game is played differently now than it was 25, mm-hmm. 30 years ago. It doesn't seem to be as wide open as it was, but wh- where would you put him in the pantheon of the greats of all time? Not just Pittsburgh greats, but – Tommy,
0: you, you hit on it already. The one thing that – the only thing that Sid wants to do is win. He's a serial winner, whether it's for the Penguins, whether it's for Canada the Olympics. That, that's all he does is win. And so when you're – I think if, you, if you're looking at – you want to, you know, rank best players of all time in – Sits top five. When you look at the total body of work and what he's been able to accomplish, not just stats, right? Everybody gets infatuated with stats, right? He's won all the cups here. He's won, what, two gold medals, Tommy, right? Two gold medals, the uh, World Cup. I mean, he's won it all. Anytime he plays in it, he wins it. And that's what he's all about. That's the only thing that motivates that cat is winning. He doesn't care about his personal stats. I mean, if he, I guarantee if he wanted to, he could easily his, – his stats could go much higher. I mean, that's not what his concern is. He leads by example on the ice, and all he wants to do is win, and everybody picks up on that.
2: Well, and, and to get to your point, Michael, about the points, you know, NHL is the reverse of the NFL. You know, 25 years ago, you know, you know Mario had 199 points. Mm-hmm. Magret- Gretzky had 216 points. You know, the, the NHL leader the last two years might not have 216 points combined. Mm-hmm. So points back in the in the 80s and the 90s when Gretzky and Lemieux mm-hmm. were on, you know, it was routine for guys to get three or four or five points a game. It wasn't it wasn't that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. It's a different game now. The stats aren't what they are. Crosby's never going to have a chance to get um, the numbers that Gretzky and Lemieux did because it's a different type of game. It's it's a three two game now. Mm-hmm. It's not a seven six game. And know, uh, and to your point, Mark, when you were talking about with you know the the, the Crosby's a single you know entity. You know, people will say, well, he was raised like that from childhood. Well, there's lots of examples of players. Todd Marinovich being the the number one. Todd Marinovich was groomed Mm -hmm. to be a quarterback, but he couldn't handle it. He didn't have the mental ability to be able to deal with what that all went into that. You know, so that's where, you know, you can say, oh, Krazy's been doing this his whole life. But he's been, he's had the singular focus to to be that great and Mm -hmm. want to do it. and He's dealt with it. I mean, I think the first time I ever heard about Sidney Crosby he was 13 yeah. and Wayne Gretzky said that he's going to break he's all my records. Yeah. I mean, and uh, I have 13 year olds. I mean, I can't, you know, I, you know, the <laughs> pressure that goes with that from the day you're 13 and he's done nothing. Yeah. When he came in here, he was a kid and he was whiny mm-hmm. and, you know, people, people didn't like him uh, across the league, but he's grown up from that and he's become just the, the consummate pro. And to your point. Yeah. And that's, that's what makes hockey special, you know? And, and, that's why I've always been a fan of hockey because there are very very few attitudes or egos mm-hmm. in hockey. It's twenty three guys, twenty guys pulling on the rope the same way, playing the game for the game. You know, they all started doing this in ponds and at five a.m. skates and things like that. You know, these guys weren't brought up with, you know, Todd McShay talking about them when they were you right. know fifteen years old right. and scouting them and all that kind of stuff. It's just a different. It's a different game, and I, mm-hmm. I just love the way the game is played. And and uh, you know, Crosby is just the epitome of of what's great about right. the game of hockey.
1: So we're throwing. So it's not a stats thing, you guys. There's more intangibles involved. So I think so. I the, think you the have the question to. is: So do you put him up there with Gretzky? Do you put him up there with Lemieux, or is he? I is think he's not. He
0: Tommy, I'll be curious. I think it's Lemieux, Gretzky, and Orr, Right. Those are the three widely revered. They're the the the. the, the you know, the Mount Rushmore, there's the three you're going to put up there. Um, and then in that next breath, I think you're talking about Sid, you're talking about Messier, you're talking about Rocket Richard, and, and the rest, you know, there's probably five or six guys, Tommy, you th- in that next tier under,
2: yeah, I you know, Gordie go, Howell. Messier's not that high, but I would give, um, I, I, the three that are written in are written in ink are yeah. Gretzky, Lemieux, and Bob Yor. You can write them, you know, yeah. everybody's got their, Different opinions of, of how you would rank, of, those, you three. rank yeah. those three. But I don't think there's anybody that outside of those three that you would consider there. And and Sid's not going to get to that level. But I, I think there's a good argument for Sidney Crosby being four. Mm-hmm. Um, Gordy Howe gets talked so, a yeah. lot about in the top five. I, I think Gordy Howe's has gotten a, a little a little higher on legend, <laughs> you know, and the the, the Gordy the years, years of gone Howe by, metric, yeah. you know, goal and assist in a fight and all that stuff. Um, I mean, he played forever, so I think that gets him a little bit. But I think by the time Sid's done, and listen, Sid's you know, Sid's only thirty four. I think he's I think he could conceivably play for another ten years. I really do. Be
0: the Brady of the NHL.
2: I mean, but he's like Brady. I yeah, mean, he's he not. Is. He's not. I don't think right. he's eating avocado ice cream. But <laughs> but I do think that I mean, he trains and he lives and he wants to be. Right in this game. I mean he loves playing the game of hockey. He loves being in the locker room, loves being around the guys. It's gonna come down to his health. If he can stay healthy, I guarantee mm-hmm. you he plays till he's forty. And, and then the after game. that, I think the one thing with Sid is I don't think um, you know, for older Penguin fans, you'll remember Brian Trottier. Um, he was a legend with the Islanders, won four cups in the early eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of reinvented his game, came to the Penguins in 91, 92, added two more Stanley mm-hmm. Cup rings as our third line center at the time at, at the end of the second year, um, a little bit of fourth line too. I don't know that Sid will be that guy. but I think Sid if he's in a, if, I think he could be a good number two center until mm-hmm. he's 40. Um, and that's six or seven more years of of playing hockey and and um, I don't think he's gonna get the numbers of those guys, but that longevity, you know, it's a shame he missed out on Olympic this year. He had a good chance for a third Olympic to be mm-hmm. the captain of the third Olympic. He's got the golden goal, mm-hmm. um, winning the winning right. the uh, winning the Olympics for Vancouver. Um, all of those things. I think when all said and done, he's going to be four. Um, and uh, the other guy that, as much as I don't like him, is going to be in this conversation is Ovechkin. Ovechkin, yeah. If Ovechkin you know, he's going to have to break Gretzky's record right. goal record. Goal record. But yeah. if he does that. It's going to be real hard to not put him in that conversation as well. He's not going to be because of sits overall. Nope. I mean, that's Ovi's a one trick. That's card, where I was going to go. That's but it. Ovi scores. But in this day and age, if you break a record in a in a league that's not goal driven anymore, you can break Gretzky's record. You have to be yeah. in yep. the top in that conversation. It's top B ten, in the be in, yeah. in the top five, yep. top seven, uh, somewhere like that. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well.
0: Tommy, you brought up one of the things you love about hockey is just the way the room is, right? These are guys that just focused on one thing and is playing the game. For my closing argument this week, I want to talk about the exact opposite. And the NBA trade, NBA trade deadline, say that five times fast, was last week. And you saw James Harden get shipped to the Sixers for Ben Simmons. Here are two dudes who shut it down. Got sick of playing for the team they were playing for. Harden, oh, I'm hurt, I'm hurt, I'm hurt, I can't play. Simmons nowhere to be found, whatever he was saying. Um, Now all of a sudden the trade happens and they're both fine, they're going to start playing. I am fed up with these athletes pouting their way to a new team. Anthony Davis did it. Russell Westbrook did it. Antonio Brown sort of took it to the extreme this year when he walked out on Tampa Bay. But the Steelers, like Blount, Blunt, left at halftime. Right? We had never we've never seen this before. This new generation; these guys are quitting, literally quitting on their teams, which is sacrilege, and their wishes are being granted. It's, it's absurd, it's ridiculous, it's asinine, it makes me want to hate the
1: game. Well, you even see guys like Aaron Rodgers who right. pooh-poohs around, yeah. well, you know, I might come back to Green Bay, I might not come back to Green Bay. Um, maybe I'll retire if they don't trade me. Right. Yeah, you're right. And Now, it's more prevalent in the NBA. Um, you look at the NBA tra- trade deadline every mm-hmm. year, and you see stars flying around like they're Skittles. You know, yep. one's right. going here, one's going there. You're like, what the hell is going on? Listen, the NBA needs to fix that. You mm-hmm. know, Adam Silver was talking today on ESPN. And I love Adam Silver. I Listen, think he's the he, best commissioner he, in sports. He, he promotes the game great, right. but he kind of shied away from that topic. He, you know, yeah. players potting their way out of situations, they do. and right. you know, Harden's done it twice. Right. You know, he uh, did I didn't even you know, like the way Houston was right. going. Oh well, you're making thirty five million dollars a year, Jack. It's sucking. You up know, suck it up and play.
0: But to desert your team—that's my whole thing. Well, yes, he did. We all twice. play team sports. You don't quit on your team. And I don't know how these guys are able to do it and then walk in another locker room and be accepted and taken in. This is this guy, he quits. He quits He quits on you.
2: Yeah, and that's what I love about hockey, if I may go back to yeah. hockey for a minute. Of course. Literally, you can punch a dude in the face yeah. and fight. And then the next minute, they're sitting at this, you know, 15 minutes later, they're at the face-off circle wow. talking about right. you know, laughing about it, talking yeah. about it or whatever. Right. You know, it's just you know I, I you know these two all specific, well, Michael specifically I've taken him to hockey games and then he went out and walked in a lobby I couldn't even <laughs> find him, but I mean trying but, to find the door out. Huh? yeah well that's what's so great about the game of hockey is just it, just a lot of that drama and a lot of that ego stuff man it is it makes it's what makes the game pure It makes it right. fun as a fan you know you don't see you're not going to wake up one day and see Sidney Crosby throwing a tantrum or faking that he's hurt. To get out of town, you know, and Melvin Ingram, you know, right. don't forget Melvin, Melvin Ingram, Ingram this year. We yeah. just did it for the Steelers again. Right. And, he you know, Tomlin's a droid, famous a famous injury, couldn't play, and then all of a sudden he gets traded to Kansas City and he plays, you know, 50 snaps the very next Saturday, yeah. next Sunday. So well,
0: and that led to one of my f- very favorite Tomlinisms: "We want volunteers, not
2: hostages." Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> gotta love the sheriffisms. Yeah. Love it. But, uh, no, I agree with you. Uh, It it takes the fun. And, look, it goes down to college. Yeah, it does. The transfer transfer portal. Now, Now, you know, you're you're a kid and you don't like the coach or, or, you know, uh, you you didn't get – you know, you only got, you know, 12 minutes of playing time. You you think you should have gotten 24. Well, I'll just transfer. I'll just get up and move. And now, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't even waste my time with that, especially college basketball where there's only five guys, usually or five or seven guys. These guys transfer so much now; it's even taking the fun out of college of basketball. I mean, you mm-hmm. knew in college sports when you when you got a guy recruited there, that was going to be right. your guy you for four the next years. Four years, right? And uh, you know, it's just it's just another way of making sports not as fun as it used to be. Says the old guy yeah. on right. right. his porch, telling the kids to get that. off his lawn. So. <laughs>
0: So what do
1: you guys have this week for your, for your closing remarks? My closing remarks this week, I, I, I want to touch on uh, the NFL Hall of Fame. Not just the NFL Hall of Fame, oh, yeah. but Hall of Fames in general. Can we stop having writers as the voters? I don't know if you guys seen the mm-hmm. class this year going into the, the NFL, NFL Hall of Fame. Yeah, oh, yeah. You couldn't pay me to go to the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Very speeches. Good. The whole, everything's turned into a Hall. Everybody gets a trophy now. Yeah. This class that's coming in, Leroy Butler, Bryant Young, Tony Baselli. Sam Mills and Richard Seymour, all really good players, really good. Do you guys have any memories (laughs) in your bank that you would say, hey, this is a guy that I remember when he did this. I just remember those guys were pro bowlers, you know, and and they were good. Very good good players. Very good players. Now, you know, we just let everybody in. And since we're letting everybody in, they got it wrong this year. They let Leroy Butler in, right? And no, Barber. And I get it. I know I'm the right. Buccaneer fan here. Ronnie Barber's numbers. If you're going to put, if you're looking at a ballot, right? If you're looking at a ballot and you say, "Well, I'm going to put Leroy Butler in," how do you not put Rondy Barber in there? Mm-hmm. He had nine more career interceptions, and he scored 12 defensive touchdowns over his 15-year career. 20. And how
0: many sacks too? He had I mean,
1: 28 and a half career he sacks. Was so he a, was one a, of, ten he, times better. Mike, he, he, was, he was the slot. Blitzer, and yep. he was—he had a knack for doing that. He had a knack for making big plays. So if you're going to put him in, and then we're talking, Cliff Branch got elected. So I'm not a Steelers fan, but if you're going to put Cliff Branch in, why isn't Hines mm-hmm. Ward in? So it, it, my my thought is, let the players vote. Let the Hall of Fame players vote on who should be in the Hall of Fame, and that includes baseball, basketball, and hockey. Yep. Writers didn't play the game. They remember guys and they see a guy on a ballot, they check his name off. And it, it, I, I, the system has to change because the guys that they're putting in now, they're just putting guys in just to put them in. Mm-hmm. So that's what I have to say on that subject. My closing argument or closing
2: thoughts are you know, I'm following a little bit the Major League Baseball thing to see where it goes, mm-hmm. to see if there's ever any hope for the Pirates. And there's not. Um, they're not even talking about anything that would make the Pirates relevant. But the thing that really pisses me off is somebody that wanted to, was trying to get in and to get drafted for baseball and uh, talk to scouts about being drafted when I was younger. You know, the thing that is just unbelievable is what they're doing to minor league baseball players. And you start reading some of the stories about them, you know, they're averaging less than $7 an hour. They're sleeping, you know, five or six people in a room. They don't have money to eat for <laughs> For an industry that is literally made of billions and billions of dollars, to treat your feeder system, the guys that are going to get there potentially, hopefully, you know, only a small percentage of them do. So in the negotiations, how does that major league baseball just figure out to do this? Well, could we just take some of our billions and throw it at them? No. We're going to cut how many minor league players there are. So instead of there being 180 per per organization, roughly, we're going to make it so there's 150. So we're going to take that same pot that they are making seven dollars an hour, and we'll just take 30 players out of the pot. So the that's 12 way, now. Huh? Yeah, everybody. No, 12. <laughs> everybody will make eight and a quarter now. So we're almost getting over the minimum wage line. You know, I own my own business. Mark mm. owns his own business. We're paying people fifteen dollars an hour to carry cases of beer out or to help yeah. paint. And these are players that are are supposed to be professional athletes making below the poverty line for an organization that has billions and billions of dollars. So the next time that somebody wants to complain about how the Pirates only spent 54 million dollars or whatever, hey, at least these guys are still getting hundreds of thousands of dollars. Be pissed off about the people down in the minors that are trying desperately to make a career out of this and they don't have enough to get a happy meal large size. Team.
0: Beautiful beautiful. Great way to end it. Great episode today, boys. Appreciate it. And until next week, this is ABC on Pittsburgh sports. Talk to everybody. Have a great week.